Welcome to BDO To Go, casual industry conversation brought to you by the restaurant industry professionals at BDO. The constantly evolving landscape of the industry forces operators and owners to adapt quickly and maintain a keen awareness of consumer and economic shifts. Understanding these business impacts and insights is key to the continued success and resilience of the restaurant industry. That's why we crafted the BDO To Go podcast series, a monthly podcast that you can take to go. Now here's your host, Giselle Elbiri. Welcome back to another episode of the BDO To Go restaurant podcast. We appreciate you tuning in for this episode, and we hope that you have been enjoying all the content we've been providing as we seek to educate and connect great people in this great industry. My name is Giselle Alberi, your new host of BDO To Go, and I'm an assurance director and leader in the National Restaurant Practice for BDO. I'm so excited to be here as well as to have the opportunity to discuss those topics that are important in the industry with exceptional industry professionals and experts. Today, we're joined by Ari Weinzweig, the co-founding partner of Zingerman's Community of Businesses. Ari and his partner, Paul Saginaw, founded Zingerman's Delicatessen in 1982 and a small storefront in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Zingerman's Delicatessen is a nationally renowned food icon, and the Zingerman's Community of Businesses have grown from the deli to 10 businesses with over 700 employees and over $70 million in annual revenue. Concepts include everything from a bakery to a Korean restaurant. I've had the pleasure of dining at several of these concepts, and I've never left hungry. Not only is Ari involved in the day-to-day business of Zingerman's, but Ari is also a prolific writer and teacher, presenting and training throughout the country about Zingerman's approach to business. Today, Ari is here to discuss one of his most recent publications, The Story of Visioning at Zingerman's. Ari, really, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me on. It's It's a pleasure. What inspired you to write this story? Well, as you said, I've written a lot, so it's not my first time writing about visioning. Uh, there's plenty in many of the other books, but this was prompted in part, it, we just had our 40th anniversary back in March, and so this was a little bit tied to that. It was a little bit tied to the rolling out of our new long-term vision for the year 2032, and so it, it came with that, and then just uh, I wanted to really try to convey how dramatically this process and how we've used it has changed our organizational lives and has changed my life. And because the process that we use is so, so, so completely different from what gets taught in business schools, uh, people have heard the word vision, but I wanted to help them see that this is really a, a very different and very powerful way to work. No, I agree. I mean, I, I really and truly enjoyed reading the the, the pamphlet and essay. Um, can you share a little bit more about how that visioning process impacted your 2032 vision for Zingerman's? Yeah, I mean, so this is the process that we, the story of how we learned it is in the pamphlet. Um, and Paul Saginaw, my partner who you mentioned, and I learned it really Somewhere along the line in 1993, I can't remember exactly where where we started the conversation with Stash Kazmierski, who <clears throat> later became a managed, co-managing partner in Zing Train, which is our training business where we teach seminars on how to do this stuff. But he started to teach us about this. And at the time, I think he still called it preferred futuring, which is the term that he had learned from Ron Lippett, who had done the initial research in a far more academic setting than we do it. 
uh, at the Institute of Social Research at University of Michigan back in the late 60s and the 70s and early 80s. And uh, it's, it's really about looking into the future and writing the story of your life. And that could be your personal life. It could be, mm-hmm. in this case, your organizational life. It could be for a project, a new business that you're opening. Uh, it could be for your retirement. It could be for selling your business. So, I mean, it's really about anything, but it's it's essentially getting in your mind into the future and, and writing uh, that story. And the the literal how of how we do it is in part one of the Zingerman's Guide to Good Leading Books, which is called Building a Great Business. Uh, and there's a whole detailed recipe write-up and stuff in there. The, the steps of the recipe are reproduced in the pamphlet, too. But essentially, it's sitting down and uh, doing what Stash called, told us is called hot pen, which is, if you're an English major, uh, is, is essentially free writing. But you're, you're not trying to figure out your vision and then write it down. You're figuring it out by writing it. And so what comes out by writing continuously for an extended period is often not what you think would come out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> because the hot pen, essentially, your hand... When you do it well, your hand or hands, if you're typing, are moving too fast for your conscious brain to override with what <laughs> your mother wants you to do, your think you can't do, your self-limiting beliefs keep you from doing what the competition's doing. And it allows you to go after what I believe is infinitely more rewarding, which is your vision. <laughs> right. Not, not an assemblage of, of the business school <laughs> recommends or what your competition's doing because those aren't you, you know? And, and right. so our vision for 2032 is not meant as a model for other people to copy the content. It's just a model for how we describe the future of our dreams so that we can hopefully encourage support, uh, give you an example of how you might write the future for you. No, that's great. I, I one of the things that I read and what you wrote is, you know, collaboration, not competition. So I think that was a really important thing that you said um, and I've always truly believed that comparison is kind of a robber of joy and that you have to kind of stay on your own on your own path to kind of decide what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really interesting the way that you put that. Yeah. And again, this is not it's not I'm not writing or nor do we mm-hmm. teach with the expectation that the world is supposed to do it the way we do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just to say this is what we do and this is why we do it. And it's been really inspiring and and, and effective for us. So. Clearly, much of the the country is engaged in competitive thinking. I just, we have always believed, and I have always believed, it's better to go after what we want, not to worry about everybody else. And Mm -hmm. I think it's infinitely more, in the long run, sustainable to be pursuing your own dreams, not to be trying to outdo somebody else. Outdo somebody else. That's Um, my belief. (laughs) No, I, I, I think it's great. Um, you know, in, in terms of, you know, any restaurant organization wanting to expand, I mean, how do they, how does implementing this visioning process help them to be able to do that? I know you were speaking to, you know, driving your own course, but how can you expand on that? Well, it's <clears throat> most of the world, and I, this was true of us too, but it's most of the world is essentially reacting to opportunities and problems as they emerge. And uh it's a little bit like you're on a car trip, but you don't know where you're going. So every time you get to an intersection, you're like, I don't know, man, it looks great going to the left. No, I want to go to the right, you know, and the, there's no right answer. But 
this is really about getting clear on what you want to create. So uh, anybody in the food business, I would imagine, has had some fantasy of like, I mean, I'm a line cook, so I'm like, I'm the I'm the cook. There's one employee. I wait on everybody. I cooked all the food exactly how I want, and we go home at three o'clock, and I don't work the weekends, whatever. You know, then there's people who imagine a future where they've opened 700 units and gone public. Like they're both totally fine. It's just getting clear. It's not what you could do. It's what do you want to do, right? Because mm-hmm. the job of being sole cook and only being open for 30 hours a week is great, but it's very, you know, whatever, financially limiting or it constricts how flexible you could be with your time. Having 700 units and going public probably does a lot for your personal income, but it's a completely different job than I would want to do, which doesn't mean other people don't. So this is really about describing the future that we really want to create, adapting our early drafts to be strategically sound so we're not writing a complete fantasy. And then once we have that, it makes decision-making radically easier because we're clear on what we're trying to create. So uh, our vision includes that we only open in the Ann Arbor area. So when people call or reach out, which they do regularly, you know, to come, why don't you, I want you to open a Zingerman's here. I got the perfect location. It's, you know, the conversation is like five minutes long because it's just, it's not in our vision. And People often say, well, aren't you losing, missing out on opportunity? It's like, we're all missing out on opportunity. I'm missing out <laughs> on opportunity by doing this podcast. But it's a, it's a free choice to do this. It fits with my vision, with my values, and I'm honored to do it. Well, thank you for saying that. Um, it, the other things that you had mentioned in the essay as well is that you speak to four elements that were effective yeah. for visioning and Zingerman's. Can you speak yeah. to those? Absolutely. So these have been... Uh, in our recipe and our work for decades. So the first is it needs to be inspiring. Uh, that means to you, uh, for sure, as the leader, and then really to anybody who's working on it. So when you're, once you have the vision, when you're doing hiring, you share it with people. If they're not interested in the vision, it doesn't make them bad people. It just means they're a bad fit because they're not working to right. make happen what you've imagined and committed to. The second is, as I just alluded, it's strategically sound. So that means you have a reasonable shot at getting there. Uh, If it's super strategically sound, but it's not inspiring, it's kind of boring. Uh, If it's super inspiring, but you have no strategic shot at making it happen, then uh, it's, it's, it's a fantasy, which are also fun, but they're not a vision. So when this is done well, there's a creative tension between how we push ourselves uh, with what's possible. So the first inspiring, second strategically sound. The third is that we document it or write it down. Uh, this is literally physically the easiest part, but it's the part almost everybody resists because of all the emotional reasons you everybody can imagine without me having mm-hmm. to tell them. And then the fourth is that we communicate it. So in a, in a larger organization, the leader's work becomes to a great extent sell, selling and telling people about the vision, right? Because if people buy into the vision, uh, they're going to do a lot better work. Um, if they don't buy into the vision, then they're not going to do good work. There's no buy-in. They're not excited about the vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I thought that was very interesting the way that, and then I think that kind of leads into what you were speaking to earlier and, and kind of providing for, you know, the ingredients and then the procedures of how to get through those four, four pillars. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. It's a, there was a, you know, kind of leading into those, those four 
pillars that you were speaking to, you kind of also have, you know, you spoke earlier also about the ingredients and the procedures it takes. Well, I mean, I think the point of the vision is to be able to tap into your heart. Uh, and, and so without question, this is an inside out process uh, that allows people to share their dreams even with themselves, because many of us have not done that. Uh, and, you know, for me, I'm trying to work more. I got a lot to do and not enough years left to do it. Other people are trying to work less, like they're both legitimate visions, but just getting clear on what that is. Uh, succession planning, big topic right now. What's your vision? Do you want to be involved after you've retired? Do you want to retire? These are all legitimate questions, right? So <laughs> when you're when you're clear on the vision, it's really helpful for everybody involved. So other ingredients get it as we do it, it's getting more people involved. So we're the decision might still be made by the leader, the leadership team, but we would still want to include as many people as possible because their buy-in goes up and the quality of the vision through the reality that diverse ecosystems are the healthiest, the quality of the vision will go up too from other people's input. Uh, it does take time. This is one of the biggest resistances that people put out there to doing it. But the reality is they spend more time, you know, every time, like I said, an offer to open another city for us comes up, it's a 10 minute, five minute conversation. And it's only that long to be respectful to the other person who's asking. If we didn't have that, we would spend months doing analysis, discussing it, arguing over it, site visits. So this is where we're investing a lot more time up front and getting clear and getting consensus around the vision. But then it makes decision-making, uh, allocation of resources, et cetera, infinitely helpful. So those are just a few things that come to my mind. Great, great. Um, what mistakes tech can be made in visioning? Well, I, I mean, I think the... The biggest mistake is just not writing one. You're not writing it. <laughs> <clears throat> because if you wrote one and you did it collaboratively and you worked on it for a while as a group or with your partner or with your significant other or whatever, even if there's a mistake, it's still a mistake that you committed by trying to do something that mattered to you. Uh, I would suggest infinitely more mistakes are made by not having a vision and then later saying, why did we do that? Uh, when in my in your gut you knew you didn't want to do it, then by what you wrote. Mm, that's interesting. And then yeah, there's that. there's quite a few things that we do, like it's you know as we do it. If people want to follow the process, uh, it's written in the present tense. It needs to include personal stuff. It's not a strategic assessment. Like with all due respect, to BDO did a consulting project. It wouldn't read like this. It would read like an analysis of your business and it would be loaded with helpful tips that you would have provided. But this is a story. Uh, so it includes whatever matters to you. Like here, it's how do people who work here feel about their jobs? How does the community feel about us? And putting feelings interwoven with facts. Right. So those facts that, you know, like you had mentioned the BDO consulting, that would be only a small piece of the vision. Anyhow, it's sort of probably one yeah. of the, as the, the BD, ingredients, yeah. Yeah. ingredients, if you will, to add, that adds to or helps provide success for, for for that vision, but any information would provide, but your vision starts with you and your heart. Yeah, kind of like how, how, what I'm how big you want to be is not mm -hmm. a function of BDO or the business school. It's, it doesn't right. matter what BDO thinks I should do. 
right. like if I don't right, want a lot right, of employees, right. then I don't want a lot of employees. I mean, whether I could mm-hmm. or I should or I could hire a CEO, you know, it's those are it's all true, but it's like I could be living in Thailand too, you know. So it's it's trying to figure out the life you want to lead. And mm-hmm. for some people that's a really big organization. For some people that's you know, like us, it's working with artisan food and, and charging accordingly. For some people, it's having more accessible food that's not necessarily the, the quality of ingredients that we want to use. And it's not like one's better, one's worse. It's just trying to do work and work at a life that you really believe in and that you feel good about. Right. Um, in terms of, you know, we were just talking about like mistakes or, you know, how, you know, and kind of following through with your vision. If you kind of get through your, the, if an organization gets through the vision, they're making mistakes and maybe they're realizing midway, you know, do we have to change the vision? How, vision? how does an organization overcome that or how do they, how do they fix that? Well, I mean, I guess the reality is that the way we look at it, if it's no longer inspiring or it's no longer strategically sound, then we change the vision. <clears throat> Again, there's a creative tension. You know, I run every day. There's definitely days where I feel like stopping partway through, right? But I don't. So unless I'm really, really, you know, if I'm really sick or I really hurt myself, I would stop. Or like if it's a massive thunderstorm and I'm in danger, I might let my girlfriend come (laughs) pick me up, you know, but it's, but the point is that it's, if I stop every time I feel like stopping, nothing would ever get done. That said, if I fractured my leg and I just kept running for another half hour to prove that I could, that wouldn't be very strategically wise. So I think that that's a creative conversation, creative tension and a conversation that the organization needs to have is like, did, are we just behind and we got to get our act together (laughs) or did we write something that we really don't believe in anymore? And I don't have the answer for that. You, you can rewrite it. Uh, metaphorically, as you know, from reading the pamphlet, I mean, we look at the vision, like the cathedral that we're building, uh, Mm -hmm. and the vision essentially is describing the style of architecture that you want, right? So if you've hired a construction crew to build your dream home and on Monday this week, it's a tutor. And if you wait three weeks and tell them, never mind, it's Gothic. And then you wait another month and then you tell them, you know what? I I really like mid-century modern now. And the next one you come, you go, you know, I was thinking five stories, like they'll keep working, but nothing will really get done because right. they're gonna end it. you're going to pay them to tear down what they already created. And so, I, I mean, I don't know about other people on here, but my mind goes everywhere. And five minutes after I decided anything, my mind's immediately thinking I should have decided the opposite. So this is really about being true to ourselves. And once we share the vision it, in a good way, it, I think it's much harder to start changing our minds deviate well you gotta nothing good is gonna come i mean i'm, I'm not opposed right. to changing minds but you know again if you're open a jewelry store and then you decide next week to open a stationary store so you close the jewelry store and then the next week you decide to open a restaurant and then three months later you decide that's no good like there's merit to all the logic of why you decided to close them but <laughs> the odds of creating a world-class business out of that are very low very low right you know, and, and then a minute or two left, uh, Ari, is there any other uh, advice that you'd like to be able to give and or any other words of wisdom you'd like to be able to provide oh, well, for I, visioning? I don't, know, I don't know how wise, but I, I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I started very skeptically 
I reacted very skeptically when I first heard about this. Uh, so I'm a little bit like the convert who rolled his eyes, but now sees the power of it. And anybody can do this. And a big piece of the, the power of doing this visioning work is when you start to not just write a vision for your organization, but when you start to teach visioning to the whole organization, because ultimately this is a way to be in the world. Uh, it's a way to have people who work in our organizations thinking about what they want instead of about what you and I did wrong. Uh, as you can see mm -hmm. evidence in the country, it's easy to point fingers. The hard part mm -hmm. is saying what actually needs to happen and what you're committing to make happen. And this is really about saying that. It's about a positive picture of the future and, and then committing to making that positive picture happen, even when things go wrong, even when pandemics mm -hmm. come. Well, thank you so much. I mean, we really appreciate you coming on to the podcast and sharing your thoughts and, you know, and sharing, you know, your, you know, at least a snippet of, of your, of the, of the essay that you wrote. Um, to those listening, I hope you walk away feeling inspired to ask yourself what your vision is and how you intend to create that vision and write that vision and, and put those, you know, those four pillars into to action. Um, if you have any questions, please don't have, hesitate to reach out. We do invite those listening to subscribe to BDO to go podcast and drop a rating as well. Uh, thank you for listening in. Thank you for listening to BDO to go past episodes and related insights are available at BDO.com slash BDO to go, or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate review, share, or subscribe to this podcast. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on BDO's restaurant industry practice and the resources we provide, visit www.bdo.com slash restaurants.